I'm Ali Wine, a non-resident senior fellow with the Atlantic Council. And I'm Molly Salzkog, a senior intelligence analyst at the SUFON Group. Molly, you and Colin Clark wrote a really excellent article for Lawfare last week in which you analyzed how a potential Sino-Iranian security and economic partnership could affect U.S. national interests, in some cases for the worse, but also in other cases, perhaps not that much at all. Maybe walk us through both sides of the ledger. Sure, and thank you so much. Um, yeah, I think the key here is that policymakers in Washington, D.C. need to understand that there are both opportunities and challenges in this potential new cooperation signed between mm -hmm. uh, Beijing and Tehran. So first, um, the first thing to watch for is if China starts to exercise its veto power in the Security Council as it relates to, um, you know, attempts to limit Iran's nuclear ambitions. Um, the other one is uh, increased arms sales, which has historically been part of the uh, China-Iran relationship back in during the Iran-Iraq war. And also, uh, Washington, D.C. should look at if they're deepening and more formalized intelligence sharing um, cooperation and mechanisms put in place between Beijing and Tehran. And also, there is the economic aspect, obviously, of this relationship, which is arguably perhaps the most important in mm -hmm. the sense that China can uh, provide some relief to Iran when it comes to the U.S. maximum pressure campaign and provide much uh, needed boost to the infrastructure of Iran. But then again, there are challenges that are also present with, for example, these um, infrastructure loans and developments uh, that they would potentially infringe on Iran's sovereignty as other BRI countries have suffered, such as Djibouti, Sri Lanka, Pakistan. And then obviously how China is going to balance this new relationship our deepening relationship vis-a-vis is Arab and, and also Israel partners in the region. Yeah, and I wanted to pick up on, on this point, that you, this, this last point that you just make, because what I found interesting is a, a, number, a number of points. First is that from what I can gather, the reception in Tehran to the deal has been lukewarm at best, and there are a number of observers in, um, in Iranian politics who fear that this deal could be way of could be China's way of making kind of almost exploiting Iran at a time of Iranian weakness. So so one is that the reception to the deal has been lukewarm in Tehran. Um, secondly, to the point that you just made now, I suspect that the deal, even even if it's not as sweeping or as fully fleshed out as some uh, accounts suggest, nonetheless, I think that the deal is likely to rankle many other Middle Eastern countries with which China is simultaneously trying to strengthen its ties. Um, including, incidentally, its largest and third largest suppliers of crude oil, uh, Saudi Arabia and Iraq, respectively. Indeed. And I think that that tension in trying to balance deepening relations with Iran, deepening relations with Arab countries, it, it suggests to me that the further the China's economic footprint in the Middle East and the further its oil dependence on the Middle East grow, the more likely China is to become further enmeshed in regional affairs, notwithstanding this avowed insistence upon non-interference in other countries' uh, domestic politics. Um, and similarly, the more that it's Belt and Road Initiative, which you mentioned, the more that that initiative traverses the Middle East, the greater is the risk that political instability, terrorist attacks, and economic shocks could slow the momentum of its signature geoeconomic undertaking. And so is China making inroads in the Middle East? Undoubtedly. But 
I, I think that there's sometimes a tendency to impute to China almost mystical powers of strategic foresight as though China could immunize itself from or shield itself from the, the multi-layered chaos and regional rivalries gripping the region. And it's not clear to me that China would be more any successful in that undertaking than the United States has been to date. What do you think? No, I, I absolutely agree with this observation. I think that there is um, there is this uh, tendency to overstate China's strategic um, foreign policy, uh, especially under Xi Jinping. But also, we must remember that China has largely enjoyed the U.S. security blanket mm -hmm. all over the world. And now that the U.S. is withdrawing largely from the region, I don't see how China is not going to have to pick sides to protect its economic interests, infrastructure, and energy security. And inevitably, we know how that goes in the Middle East. Yeah, I think this point that you made is, I, I think there is a certain symbiosis between American and Chinese national interests in, in the Middle East. And as you said, that China does depend inordinately on U.S. security, security guarantees, uh, the U.S. Navy's role in uh, stabilizing maritime choke points through which energy uh, flows from the region. So China does depend on on the United States and how it balances America's shifting focus away from the Middle East towards the Indo-Pacific. Um, it there's some depictions that perhaps this might just cede the region to to China, but I suspect that China's disposition might actually be a little bit more uh, lukewarm towards America's evolving strategic perspective. But why don't I give you the last word? Thank you. I, I, I mean, we agree fully on this. And that's why it's very important to not see this potential new partnership through a zero sum lens. This has been a pleasure, Molly. Thank you so much for the time and for the insight. Thank you.